0: Welcome back to the Eucatropolis Podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. This week, we need to talk about minor keys. So stick around. So, welcome back. I hope you've brought your ukulele. And I hope you're ready to uh, delve into some more real ukulele answers to real ukulele questions, because that's what we do here on this podcast, right? If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. And if you're a brand new listener, welcome. Typically what happens on this podcast is that I will take a student question from uktropolis.com and expand on the answer that I've given on the website itself, because... It's fun to stretch out and just sort of talk more in depth about some of these um, questions that come up. Sometimes I go off the script, like last week, and I'll do something just kind of whimsical that I feel like doing. But uh, this week we're getting back to back to the basics. And uh, this week's episode was inspired by a couple of conversations I've been having through the week. One with a student named Jennifer who's working on booster uke, and one with a student named Leonard. Who has been working on many things, including the Jehui teacher certification program, where he's now in level three? And both of these conversations, which I'm not going to address specifically, it's more I'm going to address the general idea around this because I think it can be useful to anyone who's tuning in. The conversations have centered around making sense of minor keys. Yeah, minor keys. We all kind of agree on what happens when we play in C major, for example. We get Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. And we get whatever chords we can create from those notes. Some major, some minor. Some more common than others, but we kind of agree on... The major scale, as a general rule, we, that feels like um, terra firma. You know, it, it feels like something we can all agree on. The problem is when you go to the minor scale, the minor tonality, which, first of all, let's just get straight: this is not a sad sound. <laughs> this is one of my, this is one of my hobby horses, is to try to get people away from. Uh, describing minor keys and minor chords as being sad. I know lots of happy-sounding minor key songs. Charlie is my darling, my darling, my darling. Charlie is my darling, the young cavalier. You know, bright, peppy, uh, danceable, joyful songs that just happen to be in minor keys. So although it's kind of the default to say oh minor keys are sad minor chords are sad and happy songs are in major keys only you know there's also uh, lots of good examples of very devastatingly sad songs that are in major keys so I think it's, um, it's a good idea if you haven't already because you've heard me rant on about this before to move away from the idea that major keys and major chords are happy we might call them uh, we might call them bright we might call them open resonant we might call them sunshine uh, we might call them warm you know we can pick any number of words to describe them that are not necessarily as simple as saying happy by the same token we could say that minor chords are mysterious Or minor chords are foreboding. Or interesting. (laughs) Or minor chords are... uh, Give us a chill, maybe. or You know, dig a little deeper. Find, Find some words that resonate with you that describe the feeling that you get from a minor key or a minor chord that go beyond the simple idea that, oh, it just makes me sad, you know? Okay, so rant over let's get down to um, what these conversations with Jennifer and with Leonard were really about. My answer to Jennifer and to Leonard centered around the idea that minor keys, minor keys are, to some extent, unstable. And they're unstable because there's not total 100% agreement on what notes are in those keys that's right we don't all want the same thing from our minor chords and our minor keys the major tonality by comparison like we've said is is pretty stable we, we all kind of agree that for 99.9 percent of the time it's do re mi fa Sol la ti do and the chords we can make with those notes But when we slip into a minor tonality, it seems that things break down a little bit and our needs and wants as listeners vary more significantly when we're in the minor key. Some people like the sound of the natural minor and that is where I'm literally using the same notes as the major key. But I'm starting and stopping On a different note, which gives it a minor feeling. But I'm still retaining all the notes of the major scale. This is kind of like a melodic sleight of hand where you think I'm playing one set of notes, but by extending and going past the the home plate <laughs> i'm actually turning that collection into what sounds like a, a minor tonality but i haven't changed the position of any of the the bases you know if you want to keep the baseball analogy going that's the natural minor scale the problem is that that doesn't do it for everybody <laughs> <laughs> and and this is, I guess, we're getting into the realm, not so much of music theory, because, you know, we all have varying degrees of, you know, allergic reactions to music theory as a concept. Think of this more like music psychology. Are you getting what you want or what you need from the music? Well, that's music psychology. And if you're not getting what you want or need from the music then, well, change it, right? If this isn't doing it for you, and it doesn't do it for everybody, and it doesn't do it for every song, well, then change it. And that's how we get the variations on the minor scale that we have today. Like for example, harmonic minor. Hear that one note that really stands out, that's quite different. From the natural minor, <laughs> quite a signature sound there, with that with that note that sort of leads very strongly back into the tonic note, the home plate. But of course, as you know, musical psychology would have it, that doesn't do it for everybody. Either. We're, we're very needy when it comes to these minor <laughs> scales and minor keys. We, um, we want to keep exploring because we're like, well, you know, that doesn't do it for me either. So then we invent something called the melodic minor scale, which closes that awkward gap that you feel in the harmonic minor scale. And this melodic minor scale is a little more smooth uh, in its contour. And really what it does is it takes the front half of a minor scale and the back half of a major scale and it just stitches them together. This is kind of like a mythical beast. You say, well, I-, I want a little bit of that and a little bit of this. I want the front half of a hot dog and the back end of a hamburger, and I want to smash them together. <laughs> and then we get something like the melodic minor scale. So the melodic minor scale here doesn't really make much sense from like a music theory standpoint. It's just sort of random. It's all driven by the psychology that we, that we bring to music. It's driven by what we just want. <laughs> so we come up with these sort of hybrid things that aren't natural, but they satisfy us in some way. So going back, because I don't want to make this episode of the podcast about sort of everything. You know, there's, there's no way that I can, first of all, that I understand everything, or second of all, that I can communicate everything about minor keys in a podcast like this. What I would like to do is to just focus on two key concepts. And if you understand these two key concepts by the end of this podcast, then we will have moved the needle a little bit in the direction of unraveling that knot that we encounter when we start exploring minor keys and minor chords. Idea number one of two. Idea number one is, yes, life was simpler in the major key. Yes, life was simpler back then. There was much more agreement about what the notes of the scale are and what chords we can make with those notes. That's idea number one. Okay? And... Idea number two is when we slip into the underworld of minor keys, into that parallel universe, idea number two is that at that moment, things splinter. They become less clear. They become less obvious and they become driven by our musical psychology, what we want from the music. That's what drives composers to use the natural minor or the harmonic minor or the melodic minor. There's a reason why in ukulele in the classroom, which is the the classroom methodology that I wrote with Chalmers Doan 15 years ago, there's a reason why we don't really delve into minor chords and minor keys until level three of that method. Level three. I mean, we do touch on some you know, some basic minor chords in the earlier books, don't get me wrong, but we don't really delve into an understanding, a systematic understanding of what minor keys are and how to navigate them because those are deeper waters. Those are places that you can go and you should go and it's so exciting to go there, but you're out in the open water, it's choppier, it's deeper, you're going to need skills and Uh, tools to survive. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to provide the foundation for that in levels one and two so that students can cut through those choppy waters once they hit them. Okay, so that's all very fun and metaphorical, but where does that leave us? Wouldn't it be nice if we could take that sort of airy, nebulous, uh, metaphorical understanding and really bring it down to earth? Well, that's what I'm going to try to do here to wrap things up what we're going to do to ground this discussion is to focus in on one thing the one thing that leads to the splitting up of the minor key's personality and that one thing that leads to this split personality between the natural minor, the harmonic minor, and the melodic minor, the one thing that leads to that is, wait for it, the dominant seven chord in that key. That is the one thing that leads to this split personality. That is the one thing that we can't quite agree on, and the fallout from that disagreement is uh, this fracturing of the minor key. So to make it really tangible now, I'm in the key of A minor. If you're listening closely, you'll notice I have a low fourth string today. And that's because the low fourth string really clarifies the structure of scales and chords, which is one reason why I recommend to teachers in classrooms that they use the low 4th string because it clarifies these very types of of explorations. I'm playing an A minor chord. And in the key of A minor, my big question is, what is the dominant chord? What is the 5 chord in that key? I know that A minor is the home chord but what is the away chord? What's the chord that brings tension and leads me back home? What is the equivalent of G7 in the key of C? The chord that signals a return. What is the equivalent of that move harmonically when I'm in the minor key? Well, as you might have guessed, the answer is... It depends who you ask. But the one thing everyone can agree on is that it's going to be E something. Okay? Because if you count up five steps from A as your root, A, B, C, D, E, you're going to get E as the note that we're going to build on here. Everybody can agree at least on that much. It's going to be E something. But is it going to be E7? Or is it going to be E minor? Is it going to be E major? Everybody has different needs and different wants, different instincts. And this is what leads to the splintering of the minor tonality it's this very question. It's not the two chord or the three chord or the four chord that makes this all unravel. It's the five chord and what we do with that five chord. If you look closely, those who want to hear that E7 sound, well, in order to get an E7, they're gonna need a G sharp note and that G sharp note now has to be part of the scale. So they have no choice but to play a harmonic. There it is, G sharp. They have no choice but to play a harmonic minor scale in order to get that harmony that they so crave. Hmm, I wonder why we call it harmonic minor. (laughs) It's because it prioritizes the harmony. That is the reason we invented this scale. So we could get this note, so we could get this chord so we could get this harmonic motion, which we like, or at least some of us like some of the time. But that's not for everyone. Not everyone likes that big gap between those notes. Some people see that as a melodic sacrifice in order to get the harmony that you want. It certainly has a different sound to the A natural minor. Because crucially, that natural minor, the one that shares all the same notes with C major, you remember that one? That natural minor has a G note in it. And that means that we cannot make an E7 chord we're stuck with an e minor chord as our dominant. And to many people that kind of sounds a little bit sort of old-fashioned. Almost medieval in its in its sound. I don't know. Personally, I kind of like it and i think at the end of the day that's the takeaway for me is that although i've been sort of caricaturizing this as you know a split personality because nobody can agree on what the true minor tonality is that's all a bit of a metaphor just to help you understand and to enter into this discussion at the end of the day you can think of it this way think of a major key as a ray of light. It's direct. It's pretty straightforward. It's bright. It brings a lot of light into the musical world. But when we take that ray of light, we shine it through a prism, the light scatters and breaks into many strands, or, or maybe even, and all of those have their place. They all come back to one unified musical place, and they all satisfy our musical psychology in different ways. Shining light through a prism doesn't make the prism bad or sad or confusing. It just breaks up the light, creates a rainbow. So try to think of it that way. A major key as a ray of light that shines through a prism And that ray of light becomes many worlds of minor keys to explore. Thanks for tuning in to the Euketropolis podcast. I'm your host, James Hill, and I'll be back again next week with another real ukulele answer to a real ukulele question from a student at euketropolis.com. In the meantime, You can always find me at euketropolis.com. I'm there every day helping students to better understand and enjoy this instrument that we all love. So come on over and take some free sample lessons if you haven't tried out these uh, courses already. And uh, I hope you find a path that suits you. Take care, and until next week, keep on strumming.